This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, AJ Casamento of Broadcom and Ant Terrell of NetApp join us to discuss how autonomous SAN is changing the way we manage enterprise workloads in OnTap. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp, I love this company. Zipark, Zipark. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house, and with me today, I have a couple of special guests to talk to us all about autonomous SAN, and in particular, uh, SAN with NetApp as well as Broadcom. And to do that, I brought somebody from Broadcom. AJ Casamento is here. AJ, what do you do at Broadcom, and how do we reach you? Yeah. Uh, good morning, Justin. Thanks for having me along. I'm I'm AJ Casmano, and I work as a principal R&D engineer in the uh, solutions architecture team here at, at uh, Broadcom. And you can find me at aj.casamento at broadcom.com. All right, excellent. And can you, can you kind of give me an idea of what Broadcom is and, and what they do? And, and <laughs> I know that I, I've, before you were, I guess, more associated with Brocade. So can yeah. you kind of tie that in as well? Sure. So um, Brocade or the Brocade Storage Networking Division that I work for is one of 23 divisions at, uh, at Broadcom. Uh, Broadcom um, as well is the largest supplier of merchant silicon to the Ethernet market. Um, we have an optical um, transceiver division as well. You know, So when you, when you think about it in terms of the, the breadth of things, storage controllers, PCI bridges for servers. Um, so there's a variety of things. And then on the software side, um, we have two divisions that were previously uh, Computer Associates, or CA, um, and then the Enterprise Security Division of what was uh, Symantec. Um, so there are there are three software divisions within the uh, within the twenty three divisions as well. So it's pretty pretty broad based um, uh, globally, and a pretty significant chunk of uh, of componentry into the IT market. So but the I didn't even know about the Symantec yeah. piece. You guys acquired Symantec a while ago. Two years ago, yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. Just, be, just before news. the year before, just before the pandemic, um, not the, not the, not the Norton antivirus uh, piece of it, right? That's still uh, retained with them, uh, but, um, but the the enterprise um, security software side of it that corporations um, make use of um, pretty broadly. Yeah, yeah. The Brocade Storage Networking Division, you know, I actually last last week was my twenty fourth anniversary with the company. So yeah, we've. Um, Brocade is, is still here, still going strong, and you know it's it's uh, been a, f- a really fun partnership with uh, with NetApp on this, right? Because NetApp's been a, um, in particular uh, in the in the last several years, you know, one of the folks in the forefront on the adoption of some of the new technologies like non-volatile memory express. So it's been it's been a fun ramp. Yeah. All right, excellent. Sounds like uh, we've got a long ways to go as well. Um, there's more to more to come <laughs> between yes. NetApp and, and Broadcom. Uh, also with us today from NetApp, Ant Terrell is here. So Ant, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Hey, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm a uh, principal solution architect based in, in EMEA for, for NetApp. Um, I actually, actually live in, in the UK, um, but my, my kind of role is, is, is stretched across UK and Ireland and, and, and chunks of Europe. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pre-sales architect, so I, I spend a lot of time talking to customers and partners about, you know, our technology capabilities and you know what we can do with with, with ONTAP and uh, and the various products and features that intermix there. Um, being at NetApp, not as long as AJ's been at Broadcom, but yeah, coming up for 15 years at NetApp and a few years at EMC before that. So I've been in and around kind of block 
block workloads, you know, SAN enterprise app workloads for for maybe maybe approaching 20 years now. Um, and that's that's one of my focus areas, um, actually. So, yeah, m- m- mainly mainly enterprise applications, SAN, SAN type, SAN, you know, SAN deployments of various guises. Um, and that's essentially what I do as a, as a day job. Um, so, yeah, th- th- thanks for having me on. All right, excellent. And, and if we wanted to contact you, how do we do that? Sure, yeah. The email is, is just surname, tittle at netapp.com. So, T-Y-R-E-L-L at netapp.com. All right. So um, I mentioned we're here to talk about autonomous SAN, but I'd like to kind of level set here and talk about SAN in general and, and specifically uh, NetApp SAN. So, and what are you seeing in the field with NetApp SAN? Is, is there an increase of interest? Are we seeing more customers adopt it? You know, what sort of things are you are you seeing? AJ made a good point before, uh, uh, Justin. You know, we have been very much at the forefront of adding cat new SAN type functionality to OneTap in the last few years, and we've been. Know, ahead of the curve in terms of innovation, first to market with things like NVMe over fiber channel, you know, first first to market for the 32 gig end to end FC solution. So w- there's been a lot of engineering and hard work put in, a lot of hard miles put in the last kind of five years or so. Um, and, and certainly when I joined NetApp, you know, like I say, coming up for 15 years, you know, we were in the single digits when it comes to market share. Um, we've pretty much doubled that market share in, in the last few years. Um, and a lot of that, I must admit, is, is driven by our kind of all-flash FAS portfolio. You know, I think gone are the days where you needed two or three racks worth of equipment to, to hit a performance number or a latency number. Um, you know, so, so that those all-flash FAS platforms have, have definitely accelerated our market share and our kind of relevance to customers, particularly in the SAN space. In the time I've been here, we've, we've essentially doubled our, more than doubled our SAN business um, we launched an all SAN array, you know, a, a couple of years back. I mean, that, that, again, that, that you know, that's something like 20, 25% increase in, in customers who've, who've been buying that platform in, in the past year. We've seen a really strong uptick in interest. Some of that is born out of the performance and the all flash fan side of things, but equally, some of it is born out of some of the new technologies that we've made sure that ONTAP is is able or capable to make use of. Like I said earlier, we put the engineering hours in to make sure that we've got that functionality available on tap uh, as soon as possible and, and in lots of cases way ahead of uh, our competitive uh, products out there. You know, with the uh, with the SAN in, in NetApp, there's obviously some reasons why people are using it other than just AFF, right? There's There have been improvements yeah. in ONTAP and there have been you know other platforms that use. Can you kind of walk me through some of the things we've gotten in ONTAP to kind of make that experience much more palatable to people who want to use it for enterprise SAN workloads? I think the world's evolved, right? You know, the last the last five years has been a little bit crazy in the technology realm. You know, things are accelerating all of the time and new functionality being added all the time. So having a dumb loan presented from a you know an old frame array, that that maybe doesn't always cut the mustard anymore. You know, as the kind of current NetApp strategy we talk about a lot with a data management company, you know, and that means that whole hybrid cloud conversation has to be had. I think, you know, so it's not just about a dumb loan connected to a basic fiber channel SAN in a data center any longer. We've had to move with the times and and, and the, you know, the things like application integration functionality that you have with ONTAP, um, the ability to integrate with, with our cloud providers. I would be remiss on this call if I didn't, if I didn't make reference to the fact that we've just introduced NVMe over TCP with the latest version of ONTAP. So you can now run these, you know, high performance, low latency block workloads in the cloud and, and link them back to your on-premise infrastructure. There's certainly been a drive towards more of these kind of all-encompassing capabilities in the last couple of years, you know. So it's very rare that you see a customer requirement now that doesn't involve a little bit of cloud maybe, but certainly 
better data management functionality. And I think that's where ONTAP makes a big difference compared to a lot of our other competitors. And when you hook that in with you know, the new innovations like NVMe over TCP, NVMe over Fabrics, and, and, and the whole hybrid cloud story, it's a very compelling combination of technology. That's certainly where you see a lot of customer interest. It's not being able to do the more interesting things you know, with, with some of these SAN workloads today. Yeah, we also have things like the consistency group snapshots. Uh, we also have things like AppDM, right? So yeah. the, the, yeah. the ability to manage application level uh, for, for SAN, right? You don't have to worry about the volumes, the lunge, you worry about the application. So a lot of things to make it simpler, a lot of things to make it faster with some of the performance improvements, especially for iSCSI and NVMe over TCP. That's a really good point. Just on the simplicity side of things, I didn't really mention that, but that, that has been a key driver as well. And the ASA plays a role there. The all Array plays a role there. Um, we do have customers who who love our unified architecture and have been able to do all the protocols you know, from a single box. That now includes things like S3 and NVMe over TCP as well as the traditional kind of protocols. But yet, equally, there's, there are some customers out there who, who just don't want any of that. They just want a, a SAN platform that's simple to manage and does the things it need, they need it to do from an application perspective. And that's you know, high availability. So, so with the ASA, you know, like you think you touched on it there, you know, we've, we, we have the ability to do active active path management there. Um, we've got persistent ports functionality in the ASA, so you can ensure there's no fabric link disruption when controllers can fail occasionally. So the, the, all of that kind of simplicity of management, simplicity of ensuring that we, you know, we've got a very resilient platform, they, they certainly play a big part in that conversation. Like I touched on before, you know, in, in the last year alone, we've seen a you know, 20, 25% increase in, in all San Array. Um, and we've got some really, really big customer names. We we probably can't share them on this podcast, but yeah, you know, some of the really big brands that you hear and see out there, they're, they're now all San Array customers. So that's been a really interesting time for me at Netta because obviously that's that's one of the areas where I focus on is, is you know, is San business. And to see some of these really big organizations deploy tier one applications on top of ONTAP, you know, it's it's been a it's been a nice validation of the work that we've do, been doing, particularly in conjunction with, with, with you know with Broadcom and Brocade. You know, we've some of the, the validated architectures that we produced together, some of the you know the co-engineering that we've done together. A lot of that stuff is now being validated with the with the you know the increased business that we see with the All San Array. So AJ, one of the things that helps with simplicity stories is the need the, the lack of need to manage things, right? So so giving you better overall management capabilities and just the ability to kind of just set it and forget it. So I would imagine that something like autonomous SAN is heading that way. Can you kind of give me a description of what autonomous SAN means with with that particular type of workload? Yeah, sure. And you're quite right. You know, people, um, you know, and I think, I think Ant would, would, would chime in similarly, you know, we don't see staffing at any of the customers uh, being something that, that they're being told, Hey, you know, just go hire as many, as many folk as you think you're going to need. It's very clearly the the workload per person uh, is going up. And to to your point, Justin, nobody wakes up on any given day and thinks, you know, oh, glorious morning, I get to go spend time in my in my sand management today. That's a scenario where they really do like the idea of being able to set and forget. Um, the challenge with that is that the, the application base continues to uh, spawn even higher and higher demands of functionality and performance. You know, so the, the NetApp data fabric scenario and what ONTAP provides as a foundation underneath that, I think that's one of the one of the reasons why you see some of the customers um, that you see moving into that into that space. From our side, we were looking at that and going, right, so if that's the case, then the fabric really needs to to pitch in and do its part. 
um, it needs to be able to learn uh, on its own. It needs to be able to optimize as much as possible or as much as, as much as the customer is willing, uh, willing to allow. And so, you know, making the setup, you know, you're talking about simplicity with the, with the ASA, with the Allsan array, you know, you take that, say with the, with the new gen seven uh, platforms that, that NetApp is, is offering, you know, you connect that array up to the gen seven platform and you turn it on. That's the end of your configuration for the self-learning. Um, we're actually, you know, if you, if you take one of the X7 directors um, in the current release of software, Justin, we're, we're going to automatically learn up to 20,000 flows, initiator target, initiator target, LUN, or initiator target namespace ID, because, you know, our, the, the ASI can, can support NVMe over Fabric as well. And the cool thing for that, I think, for, for the customer is that it gives you a baseline for what, for what things look like. Right. So, so then when you, when, when something happens and, you know, the hypervisor guys like to think that they're always innocent, but, you know, the most common sort of scenario is somebody moves something that, that creates, you know, a temporary situation because they've stacked too many high performance uh, VMs in, in one location or whatever, or a database administrator. <laughs> I know it seems like I pick on database administrators a lot, but or a, a database administrator does a weird join or a table scan or, you know, writes a, a badly written query and all of a sudden things things are uh, are way more interesting. If you know what the baseline of the environment is, then you can see where these variations pop up. You can immediately track back the mean time to resolution or as some of my customers refer to it, the mean time to innocence, you know, is 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 much, much shorter, right? So, so that's one of the big things behind it. And you tie that, in, in my head anyway, you tie that information on what the on what the flows look like with what NetApp sees in the arrays and the load measurements that they can see in the arrays. And I think that gives that gives the end user a much better definition for what's going on, right? And then similarly with the traffic optimizer, the self-optimizing side of this. And you know, Ant can tell me if I get this wrong, but you know, every every customer that I walk into has a mix of generations on the floor. So they'll have, you know, they don't throw away every server every two to four years, right? So they've got multiple generations of servers. They've got multiple generations of storage on the floor. Heaven help us, sometimes they've got very old versions of operating systems because there's an application anchored to it. We've got some customers running versions of Solaris out there that are more than 15 years old. The most common cause of congestion in, in any network, Ethernet, fiber channel, doesn't, doesn't matter, is this mismatch of, of performance between these platforms, right? And so what we've effectively done is on the links between, between switches, if you think about it like a bridge over a river, we've got 64 lanes in each direction on the bridge. And we're not using them all yet, but there's four lanes set aside just for you know, 32 gig fiber channel. There's four lanes set aside just for 64 gig fiber channel. There's four lanes set aside for 16 gig and under. Right there's lanes set aside for slow drain device behavior when we need to automatically put somebody into the lower priority lanes to get them out of the way of the performance traffic. Because you know, Ant was making the point about about the performance on the on the platforms. You know, you don't want the fast guys stuck behind the slow guys and not be able to get the performance out of the NetApp array. You know, that's one of the big wins I think. So that that kind of self healing piece is is another another big part of the simplicity. You don't have to touch it now. You may come in the next morning, or, or it could you know it could also happen in the middle of middle of your workday. But we're going to be faster than the human at spotting where the slow drain is. We're going to be faster than the human in moving it to the isolation lanes, right? And then you know the the operator comes in and says, "Oh, okay, um, 
based on what the vCenter admin did and moved this this amount of workloads into these into these platforms, I need to distribute these host connectivity um, elements across different ports on the on the NetApp ASA and redistribute the workload. That'll be my more permanent mitigation. But in the meantime, the NetApp SAN platform did the right thing and, and kept me from having a log jam. Kept me from from running into the same traffic jam I ran into on the way to work this morning. You know, so. I think that that gives you kind of a base a baseline for what we look for: autonomous, self-learning, self-optimizing, self-healing. How is it identifying these workloads? Is it, what what statistics does it look for? Does it have a way to kind of remember these workloads? So we always log, right? We're never going to do anything to a workload that we don't tell the human about. So no SAN administrator should worry that we're we're looking to secretly replace them in the background. But yeah, basically, what's going on here is twofold. One of the first things is that in learning these flows. We actually see things like um, we can tell you the first read response to to a database query. As an example, and I'll pick on the Oracle guys, the Oracle DBA is ringing you up and saying, "Hey, my NetApp uh, All San Array is is not giving me the performance for my database that I that I need. You know, what if you could look back at them and uh, or you know just say back, well, actually, here's the latency of the first read response to the query. Here's the exchange completion time. Here's the pending I/O on the port. It's not the All San Array, but it was nice of you to check in." How's, you know, how's the family doing, right? So, you know, that's a much, I'm, I'm teasing a little bit, but it's a much more fun conversation if you have that data. So that's that's what we can see. We can immediately see latency on the port as well. Um, Fiber channel is a buffer to buffer credit mechanism. Um, and so I never send data to Ant that I don't know in advance he's got space to take, right? But what we've been doing is we're actually measuring how fast does he return the credit to me? So hundreds of thousands of times a second on every port in the sand fabric, we're actually looking to see how fast is he. And why do we do that? Right? It seems like a, like a crazy overkill thing, Justin, except that that's the immediate nearest term indication of congestion on a port. So we can tell when a server is oversubscribed. We can tell when it's, we can tell when it's hung. We can see that. Right. And we can signal that. And, and actually in the, in the, in the newest versions of the HBAs, which a couple of the server vendors have been shipping for over a year now, we can actually do a hardware level signal to them and say, hey, boom, you know, you're stuck. Get get moving. Right. Now at the same time, and that same notification can be sent to the partner in that conversation. Right. So it can be sent to the array. And I know that that NetApp's pretty close, if if not in the last version of ONTAP, to supporting the fabric performance impact notification piece of the of the standard in terms of being able to recognize that signal. I'm, I'm not sure exactly which which release. So if I, if I spoke out of turn, Anthem, I'm sorry. We can see that we can track it. Uh, we've got historical data on it. And now, you know, another first for NetApp um, is we can also see in, in SCSI currently with non-volatile memory express to follow, but we can also see to the virtual machine because NetApp is supporting something called VMID tagging or, or in our product names, we talk about it as, as VM, VM insight. And so now you know, we begin to get to the granularity and, and it'll take time for the management softwares to catch up and, and for people to consume it. But now we can actually see the IO down to the virtual machine flow. Um, and that's supported actually all the way back to ESX 5.5. ONTAP is the only platform in the market that's smart enough to take that data and to see and to see that. I think it's a critical step. And I say that because the storage array team or the storage team in any in any data center customer, they're always on the hook for the performance but they don't have the visibility to what the virtual machine people are doing, right? The vCenter guy can be moving stuff around. He doesn't call, he doesn't ask permission. He doesn't talk to anybody about what he's, what he's doing. 
right? But then the, the finger immediately gets pointed to this to the storage team. So having that visibility and being able to see what's what's going on all the way to the application, right? I think that's pretty critical. I think you're absolutely right there, AJ, because I think that one of the issues, certainly in in the in the sand space, and when you talk about virtualization platforms, it is that lack of visibility that's that's the key. Let's have a multi-protocol so we can run we can run ONTAP systems with NFS data stores, for example, with VMware. So We've got the ability to see more granular, you know, stats around the individual VMs when it runs on NFS. But if it if it's running on, on top of a sand lung, it is a little bit more difficult to, to try and dig into that and figure out which of those VMs are doing what damage. So that VM ID is a crucial part of that. Building the metrics, building a picture of, of the environment, understanding actually what's going on. Uh, we introduced that in 9.8. So that, that's been out, you know, over a year now, a little, little over a year, in fact. Um, so that so we, we you know we, we've had that available for a little while now, I, but that's the first step, as you kind of rightly point out, is is figuring out what the problem is. Then you need to try and fix it, you know, and that's where quality service comes in, particularly from an on-tap perspective. You can then start to lay quality of service policies over that workload to say, you know what, this 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 guy or girl has 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 gone crazy with this particular application or virtual machine. Let's quiet that down. You know, let's quiesce that a little bit or move it over here. Whatever the steps may be to try and rectify that, but you know, VMID is is a crucial part or crucial mm-hmm. first step just to at least figure out what's going on. You know, understand the environment a little bit better because um, yeah, that, that block workloads in that sense, at least when they're virtualized, they are, can sometimes be a little bit more difficult to to pick up on those. The ESX interface has traditionally always been what's what's handling all the I/O. So to the network, it looks like a, a single, single entity, host. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so functionally, what you run into with that is, if you'll allow the comparison, it's the equivalent of, of an adult being asked to step into a, a room of about 30 uh, six-year-olds that are in the, you know, in the middle of a tussle. Uh, and you don't know the names of any of the kids, and you have to ask that fatal question of, okay, who started this? Who who hit who first? Right? Who's the who's the bully? Who's the victim? And how the hell do you figure it out? You know, without without some level of visibility. And and the funny thing to me is as well, Ant is is you know when I'm talking to the vSphere admins, you know they're like, well, yeah, I want that data too. You know, I get yelled at too. You know, because the application oh, guys yelling, yeah, 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 the application guys yelling at me. You know, I, I, I want to know what that is. I want to know what that data is, and and so you know, it's it's a really good piece, and I, you know, I look forward to the next step with with ONTAP when they'll be supporting it for NVMe as well, because as as you guys know, you know, it's literally as straightforward in in a NetApp all sand array platform, or 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 with the F eight hundreds or any any of the platforms with the current versions of ONTAP. You create that namespace ID, you present it to vSphere, right? And you step back. It's all on the vSphere admin now, right? You know, it's literally that simple in the sand. It's all the vSphere admin now, right? Okay, which workloads did you want to move over to NVMe? It's your, your choice. You pick, you know, you do it. It's And they can do a live storage vMotion to move that VM over to the NVMe version of the data store. And they don't even drop the application. Yeah. Right. The application just sits there ticking away. I mean, that's to me, that's that's brilliant. I think, you know, NetApp's got a really sweet scenario going there. Don't want to labor the point too much. But yeah, the fact that we've introduced NVMe TCP as well now at 9, 10, it gives maybe some of the customers who are a little bit reticent to, to go all in just yet on NVMe FC. You know, it gives them the opportunity to maybe, you know, spin up a relatively easy kind of data store with the NVMe kind of namespace with a, a basically straightforward Ethernet connection, you know, that you can, that they're pretty much everywhere in every customer environment. So, that maybe gives the customers who are kind of interested but not quite ready, you know, that gives them the opportunity to have a little bit of play and play around with NVMe as a as a protocol, and then and then maybe move yeah. to see when when they're ready to make that change. I think you know it's going to take a, a little bit of time yeah. for the adoption and so on, right? But 
we certainly see it as NVMe over TCP eventually will replace iSCSI. Absolutely. But not, to, but not tomorrow, right? You know, there's a lot of people running iSCSI out there. And, you know, we think it's going to be a very similar sort of footprint. So the folks that need the high IO and the low latency, those workloads that that have traditionally been in been in the fiber channel space, we see continuing in the in the fiber channel space. I think your points early on and about the hybrid cloud environment, we've had some significant proof points of that uh, recently yeah. that you don't want to put everything in the cloud, right? The the folks at AWS had had a really interesting week last week. You know, the Disney Channel and Netflix folks on the on the East Coast were less than joyous uh, for the for the holiday season as. Uh, as major outages went on with Amazon last week. And I think that's one of the things that people have worked out through the hype is, hey, there's there's pieces I need to replicate out to the cloud. There's workloads I can move out to the cloud. And then there's stuff that, you know, I really, really want to make sure I have local infrastructure on, right? And the fact that you guys have management software that allows you to bridge that, I think, is an integration for that, I think, is 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 pretty key. That was why I brought it up at the beginning of the call, AJ. You know, if you look at the way NetApp are talk about ourselves at the moment, it very much is a, you know, a data management company, software-led data management company, yeah. with a huge focus on cloud. But that's not the only thing that we do. The whole concept of that hybrid multi-cloud means there's still an on-prem application somewhere, right? You know, there's still a yeah. data center that's that's still going to be run some of those core fun- pieces of functionality. Yeah. You know, we don't forget that. You know, there's been active and still is active, very active uh, development in the sand space with, with ONTAP, yeah. as we touched on already. Um, you know, you talked about congestion and error management earlier. Um, we, we have kind of buffer to buffer credit improvements and buffer to buffer credit recovery stuff implemented in 9.9. So that was yeah. six months ago. You touched on the, you know, the the points around FPIN. That's there now with 9.10, the most recent release, at least in a, at least in terms of the first phase, you know, the yeah, kind of being able being able to being, able to being able to see it. Yeah. To see it. Exactly. Exactly. And that yeah. and that will that will improve over the next couple of releases. Yeah. So you know, there's an active roadmap there. There's an active investment there. It's 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 certainly not going away anytime soon. Um, and yeah, as you, as you kind of alluded to, that there's always going to be applications that just have to be on premise. They have to be, you know, on a fiber SAN or you know yeah. some kind, whether it's NVMe FC or just or, or traditional SCSI FC. They're, they're not going away. They're, those requirements are not going away. They make yeah. they make it smaller. And 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 some of the DR or the test and develop elements of those environments may well move to the cloud. But yeah, I think. A lot of customers I speak to, uh, at least at least a third of their workloads, are, 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 there's no intention of moving them anywhere. You know, they're, mm. they're always going to be on, like like you say, low latency, high performance, dedicated networks, um, which which is fiber channel and NVMe fiber channel, isn't it? Really, for the foreseeable, I think. I think so too. I think you know one of the one of the interesting things <clears throat> you get into conversations with people about you know the the overused phrase of the Internet of Things, you know, but. We're all really dependent on that, and in the last year or so, with the with the global pandemic, we've become even more dependent on the Internet of Things, right? Because we're we're all sort of remote, but the data is going somewhere, and somebody's and somebody's got to look after it. Somebody's got to do the analytics on it. Somebody's got to do the retention on it. You guys have a huge footprint in healthcare. It's it's one of the verified architectures that we have with NetApp, and you know you get a lot of remote medicine going on these days, right? But you guys have to look after you know from from your end of it on the on the storage. It has to be lossless because none of the imaging can be compressed. You can't use any kind of weird softwares uh, on it to try and save yourself bandwidth and, and so on in those spaces. Between the EU and North America, 
the number of regulations on the control of medical data is is just you know it's got to be kept it's got to be secured and you walk through it it's that kind of stuff that i think it doesn't it doesn't matter where the data is being generated it's going to be retained it's going to it's going to be secured it's got to be available all the time and i think that's stuff that you guys do really well so NetApp also has some backup and restore uh, capabilities and functionality that we haven't really covered here and that really covers the sand environment so and you know what sort of things do we offer for you know, data protection of those SAM workloads. Yeah, good point actually, Justin. Because you know, as AJ just said, you know, medical data—it's probably the most highly protected and, and, and most confidential and most important data that that there is. No doubt there'll be some, you know, some financial customers or banks disagree with that. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> money and health, money and health tends to be pretty high up that list, but. Yeah, so when it comes to protecting that data, I think I alluded to this a little bit earlier. You know, the, the reasons why we have such a, a strong SAN offering today is is largely based on that kind of application integration and and protection. You know, we have a, a suite of products called the Snap Center products, which allow us to take point in time recovery point really. You know, backups of the really important applications that we see in the market. You know, Oracle and, and Exchange and SQL, etc. Um, and then you couple that with some additional functionality that we've introduced in recent versions of ONTAP, you know, SnapMeter Cloud. We can now take those backups and, and dump them in a, you know, in an S3 environment, which is potentially, you know, lower cost and, and a lot more. If those retention times are quite long, as AJ kind of mentioned there with medical data, you don't need to keep that on, a, on an all-flash array. That could go on a, you know, an S3 bucket in the cloud or it could go on on-premise kind of private S3 bucket. So, you know, being able to take those application-consistent backups and then put them in the right place you know and that's that's the very fundamental kind of core of the whole data fabric message at NetApp is all of your data isn't necessarily always going to be on an all flash array connect the gen 7 to a you know a load of high performing host that there will be some of that data that needs to move somewhere else for whatever reason it may be it, it could need it could need archive and it maybe just needs backing up you know it could be a dr copy you know, so being able to hook in these different platforms is 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 really important. So Snap Center to, to back up the applications, SnapMeter to move them around, whether it's SnapMeter Cloud or whether it's just normal SnapMeter to a you know a destination system. Um, DR into the cloud these days, you know, we 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 can we can back up an application on-prem, which is connected over fiber channel, and we can deploy that in the cloud and convert the LUN to iSCSI in the cloud. So you know, you've got that real flexibility there where you don't always have to have physical infrastructure at the other end of that, that connection. You know, it could be fiber channel for the tier one guys on-prem, but when you take a copy of that, that one, you could spin it up as iSCSI on top of Google or AWS or Microsoft. So there's a lot of functionality there that we were able to provide with, with, with ONTAP and, and the wider NetApp ecosystem that I don't think there's, you know, there's, there's a great deal of competition out there at the moment. So yeah, really important data is, is obviously the core of what we do. Um, so being able to protect it and, and, and replicate it and and do you unusual things with it too, you know, once it's in the cloud, you've got a lot of functionality and capability that you can bring to bear on that data at that point. You know, you don't always need to have your own kind of on tap on premise kind of AI infrastructure. You can make use of the cloud guys to do some of that stuff. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of capability there. Yeah. And I think that spectrum of functionality is really good too, because one of the sort of things we we don't talk about a lot is Every application owner I've ever met thought his application was the most critical thing in the world, right? <laughs> I see you laughing. Yeah. So, you know, and and the truth is, yeah, you know, yeah, my my kid's the best looking, smartest kid in the school. Why 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 in heaven's name is anybody paying any attention to any other kid, right? 
but you know the IT infrastructure guys, you know, they're stuck looking after this entire spectrum of things, right? And you guys offer the the ability within the data fabric to to provide different services and different levels to different levels of importance and make it pretty invisible to the the demanding parent, if you will, who's insisting that his kid gets first place. Because there's there's a short list of applications in almost every data center that they'll sacrifice almost anything else to keep alive, right? True enough. Yeah, absolutely. I like that kind of point you made earlier, AJ, along those lines. You know, these environments, they may be 10 years old. You know, I was a Solaris admin 20 years back. So, you know, there's yeah. probably there's probably still some of those really important applications that, that everything gets sacrificed for that are still running on, you know, two and four big five channel hosts, you know, and that, that are 10 years old and maybe getting to the end of their life, but they're just being kept alive as, as best they can. And I think that between NetApp and Broadcom, in that sense, is, is quite a compelling conversation when you're talking about, moving from fiber channel to MVM over fiber channel, when you play that vision out to some of these customers, that that, that is a really compelling conversation. You know, you, yeah. can, you can run the same fiber channel workload on the same ports, on the same fabric switches side by side. You know, you, there's no disruption here. It's it's a software upgrade in a, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, and I know I've probably oversimplified that, no doubt. You know, you can't have one or two gig hosts connected to these things, but there's a limit to that kind of dream I've just discussed. But that... The idea that you can actually do that on the same physical hardware is is not something that I think most customers maybe realize. And it, and it really does make make people sit up and, and pay attention when you when you talk mm-hmm. through that. And I think, you know, one of the things, given the fact that you guys were first in an NVMe over fiber channel fabrics, that's not even in question, you know, first in with the VMID support and so on. And I should mention right now, it looks very much like within the first half of calendar 2022, um, we'll see both uh, Red Hat and Suze also supporting VMID tagging, and your infrastructure is already in place, right? So yeah. then, you, then regardless of what someone chooses for for hypervisor, okay, almost any hypervisor, right? You know, because you've got the the broad base of the Linux on the one side, and and between between them and and the VMware stuff, what's that? I don't know, probably ninety six, ninety seven percent of the of the virtualization market, or something like that. So okay, there's there'll be some outliers, but you know you guys will have it covered. So I, I think that's a, a real benefit because the as the management software is figured out, you know that's a plus. And it's the same thing, you know, with, with the fabric performance impact notification. The idea of being able to engage the ecosystem in solving the balance problem as you guys step forward, you know, I, and and I'm just guessing here because you know I'm not privy to the to the actual engineering plan of record with ONTAP, but at a guess, you know, you guys are going to be able to look at, hey, okay, if that guy's oversubscribed right we can pace him from the array you know what you were describing for the for the virtual machine side of what you do well if you already got that in the virtual machine side you know you can do that for other workloads as well based on that same fpin notification that would seem like a logical extension of your existing functionality to me and that will help right you know you don't continue responding to the demand for more and more data when when he can't consume the data he's getting now All right, Ant, AJ, thanks so much for joining us today and telling us all about the autonomous SAN portion of the Broadcom and ONTAP offering. So, AJ, um, if we wanted to find more information about this, where could we go? Yeah, you can go to broadcom.com slash SAN, and we can provide you with a a pretty broad range of uh, data um, and solution sets in in that location. All right, and we'll include links in our blog to some YouTube videos you sent out of that. Um, Ant, uh, 
what do you have anything to add to that anywhere to find information i think from you know from an onset perspective we've got a plethora of white papers and technical reports up on the field port for our customers and partners if you can't find something just yeah pop me an email um tittle.netapp.com and i'll happily happily direct you in the right direction all right and again if we wanted to reach you aj how do we do that Again, it's aj.casamento, C-A-S-A-M-E-N-T-O at broadcom.com. And Ant. Uh, email address is tyrrell at netapp.com, uh, Justin. So T-Y-R-E-L-L at netapp.com. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us and talking to us all about the Broadcom and Autonomous Sand feature. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap Podcast team, I'd like to thank AJ Casamento of Broadcom and Ant Terrell of NetApp for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.